0: To be believable, one of the keys to being believable is being a person who serves. You can say whatever. Bad rap for just taking, taking, they get you money, they do this. Listen, guys, we want to be that church that serves. Serves our town. Amen? Serves one another. So anyway, he's coming to help us be more believable. And how in the world can we do this in a better way? And who better to hear from than Alex Christian? Let's thank the Lord for him. Amen. Come out. There you go. You. Amen. See there? Love you, buddy. Amen. Go get them. Amen. Thank you all so much. Good morning. How are you doing today? Glad you're here. And uh, again, thank you for being here this morning. I'm going to get one more sip of water. You guys like my product placement? $5 at the gift shop. But again, today we're going to talk about service, being a servant, being somebody who is out in the community, but also in your home, here at church. There's so many different opportunities to serve, and we're just going to talk about why it's so important to do so. And it takes effort, and it's worked. It's a lot of work, but we are saved to serve. God saves us for a purpose. Yes, he loves us. Yes, he wants a personal relationship with us. Yes, he wants to be with you forever in heaven. But you have a purpose here still, too. Everything's not about when you pass away and you're in heaven with him. You have a purpose here as well. We're going to talk about that today. So being saved to serve. Is is something I want to talk about because in the book of Galatians, Paul was writing to confront some teachings in the Galatian church. It had a big influence of Jewish people that were teaching that the church was still bound by the Old Testament laws and traditions. So Paul was explaining that salvation was not through was not through works, but through grace. There's a difference, though, between works and service that doesn't get you off the hook. For doing stuff, just because he did all the work on the cross, doesn't mean that now we have a free ride from that point forward. But So Paul warned, you've been severed from Christ, who are seeking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. Now, does that mean you've lost your salvation? No, that doesn't mean that at all. But it means you're, you're, you're kind of serving two different purposes. And you're, you're out there claiming that you're you're trying and striving for for salvation and also you're saying, well, God did all the work and it's, you know, he did that work on the cross for me and out there in the world when you try to explain that, that often doesn't make sense to people. It's one or the other, right? So if you're hoping to be justified by the law or good works, your hope is empty in that. And I just want you to understand something, though, when we're talking about the law here also is that. They're talking about becoming Jewish. Jewish people were, were telling the, the, the new Christians back in the day, because this was a church like in, in the area, Mesopotamia area. They were telling them, you have to become Jewish and then you can get saved. And then Jesus will, will forgive you of your sins if you're Jewish first. And Paul was saying that's not true. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness For in Christ, Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through. Here's this big word we're going to keep using. Love. It's that the the act of love on the cross and faith and trust in him, putting all of those eggs in that basket, all of those cards on that table is what gets you saved. Salvation through Jesus Christ is our only hope. Nothing you do on this earth is good enough. Bible says all of our works are as filthy rags. Galatians 5, 7 says, you're running well, but who hindered you from obeying the truth? The church was doing really well. The teachers came in. They brought Christianity. They taught them the gospel. And now, now they're starting to get into, like, more being more legalistic again. The idea of doing something to earn or work for our salvation is hard to let go of. It's far more appealing. It's far easier for me to sell to you today. You're a good person, so you're going to get to go to heaven. If you do A, B, and C this week, you can get to go to heaven. Because in the back of our minds, we say, oh, I can still do everything I want to do. As long as I do A, B, and C, I get to go to heaven. It's not how it works. This persuasion, now the word persuasion is important there, did not come from him who calls you. They're being persuaded to listen to. And to do something other than what God wants to do. The idea of doing something to earn work for salvation is not from God. You have to understand that. A little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. In other words, a little bit of yeast and a a, a lump of dough affects the entire lump. The moment you start to think anything other than what the gospel teaches, you're off on a side road. You're, You're headed the wrong way. And chances are you're going to teach the wrong way to people. So that's why it's so important to stay in God's words, keep your scripture sound, and do what we're supposed to do. Because false teaching that holds a single hint of truth completely derails a person's walk and testimony and ministry if it isn't dealt with by properly using scripture. That's why we're always pushing Bible studies here at Fellowship Church. We want you in God's word. We want you because you you study with people together. I tell you what, it's it's so much easier than sitting at your home and reading by yourself. I know my mind goes every other direction if I try to do it. It's so much easier when I'm with a group of people. Galatians continues to say, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view. See, now, if they're in the Lord, they're following his promptings. They're listening to the gospel. But the one who's disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever he is. It doesn't even matter who it is. He's going to get judged for, for spreading a false gospel. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? When well, then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. I wish those who are troubling you would go mutilate themselves. You may be wondering what that means. Just think of it in the context of circumcision and taking it a step further. Paul isn't being gentle here. Let's not reproduce this false doctrine. Let us not get confused by the needs of works for salvation. The reason why is today we're talking about service, but I just want to really home in on the idea that works matter. Works are important. The law matters. The Old Testament is the foundation of the New Testament. But we need to understand that grace is what it takes to get to heaven. And I didn't want to get down the road of talking about service, service, service. And somebody in this room think, OK, well, if I work really hard at it, I'll go to heaven. That's not what we're going to talk about today. Jesus did the work so we can be saved. Now that we're saved, we need to get to work. So we're saved to serve the entire point of of God's saving us is, like like I said, to have a personal relationship for us to be with him for all eternity, for him to bring his family together. But it's also so that we have a purpose here on this planet and we have work to do. If you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but uh, through love, serve one another. Don't turn this into money. Don't turn this into status. This freedom that you have, don't, don't think of it as something that now I can go do whatever I want. That's not what, we're, that's not what grace is. Grace is about enabling us to, to be better than what we were and being able to serve one another and to love one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We can't call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ if we're not passing on the message of the gospel of the word through, excuse me, to the world through service. How do we do it? How do we do that example? How do we draw people to ourselves? How did Jesus do it? He fed everybody, He worked miracles. He didn't do miracles to, one, He did them to show that He was the Messiah, but He didn't do them for the sake of doing them. He wanted to draw people in. He knew how we work. So how do you draw people in? By being kind, by being service orientated, being there for people. Service is how we show love. It's the best way. It's not our love, though. We have to remember that. And, And this is how we get, again, spread that gospel. We're not showing our love. We're showing his love. And how does that look sometimes? Doing things for people that we don't want to do stuff for. It's not always easy. You know, we talk about, you know, when people say well, it's so hard to love your enemy. Well, of course it is. It's easy to love the person you love. We're being called to be better. We're being called to do the hard things. And not just do lip service, real service, physical service. Galatians goes on to say, "But you uh, but if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another." This isn't a pecking order thing. This isn't something that we're, you know, like I can do more than you or you can do more than me. We're, work, we're in it together. We want to do this service together. And if we t- let the world take our motivation to serve, we lose our effectiveness to love people. It's tough. The world is a, is a crazy place. The news is nuts. And we can start to get so discouraged. If you're in service, after a while, you can... You don't feel like you're getting anything accomplished sometimes, but you are. You're making differences without even knowing it. That's why we can't give up. How can you show love if you're not serving? I love you and then be mean on the on the backside of it. How does that work in relationships? How does that work at home? Not very well at all, does it? The world is the same thing. If you just walk around saying Jesus loves you. And then they hear you cussing out the waitress because she brought, you know, not enough ice in your water. How does that work? How does that jive? It doesn't. The world sees. They're paying attention. So when this happens, when we, when we lose our, our desire to, to, to serve others, our light goes out. And the world can't tell us apart from anyone else. You might be the only Jesus someone meets. I'm not saying you're Jesus. But you are his representative as as a Christian here, right? And And if you're not showing that light, if you're not doing what he commands us to do, people aren't going to get the gospel. They're not going to get it. They're not going to see it. So if our light goes out, Jesus is no longer visible in us. Worst thing that can happen. But I say walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. If you're spirited minded, if you choose to get in and to do the right thing and to serve, you have to make that choice. It's not easy, but that's what the Holy Spirit's there for, right? The Holy Spirit there, he's, if you let him get up inside you, like Pastor Gary's been talking about, and increase your capacity to love, increase your capacity to do the right thing, even though you don't want to, even though your pride's in the way. If you feel like you're you're justified and right to be mad, if you're justified and right to, to act out because you've been done wrong, you're not letting that spirit climb up inside you. What do you think what Jesus meant when he said, turn the other cheek? He wasn't meaning it just metaphorically. He was meaning it in life. It's hard to do that, but with his help, we can. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So you may not do the things that you please. Anybody else deal with that? Everybody struggles with wanting. I mean, even Paul said, I do the things I I don't want to do. And I don't do the things I want to do. And he had a face-to-face meeting with Jesus. He struggled with it. So don't beat yourself up for struggling. But the key is don't quit fighting. Because being a worldly closeted Christian doesn't work. It's like oil and water. Some of you maybe have never done this before, but, you know, years ago, I mean, I think they probably still sell them, but those little packets of Italian dressing, and then you like get the bottle that comes with them, and there's like little measurements on the sides, and you got to put enough vinegar, enough water, and enough oil, and then you dump the packet in, and then you shake it up really good. Well... Does it has anybody you see it all separate over time, right? The oil and water does not sit right. The vinegars doesn't sit right. It's all kind of but there is like a little bit of an intermingling. I challenge you if you ever have those at home and you make one use that stuff on the top only for your salad. Let all the seasoning settle and that, that nasty oily water on top. Don't be the nasty oily water. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. Do us a favor. Sh- shake it up. Work really hard, choose, choose to serve, choose to get out there and to do the right thing. And it's amazing what God can accomplish, not just in your life, but in the people that you're touching. So get into God's word and learn how to conquer your sin nature. That's the best way to do that. All you need to do is trust him and step out and serve others. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The Holy Spirit will help you want to follow God's plan for your life. I mean, I tell you, it's it's we want to do stuff that we're not supposed to do. And I, he'll let you do it and that and you're still saved, but you're not going to be effective and you're not going to be happy because you know it. We all feel guilt over our poor behavior, don't we? And I promise you, the plan doesn't have mean that you're sitting on the sidelines somewhere. It means you're in the game in some capacity. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealous, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions and factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing and things like these for which I have forewarned you, just as I have forewarned you, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If I took a quick poll and ask, what do, the, what, what do those scriptures make you think of? A portion of you, and I'm sorry to get political, but a portion of you would say Republicans. A part of you would say Democrats. And all of us wouldn't think to go, the world says the church. What does the world see? What's important? Not some lunatics up in Washington who have no effect over your day-to-day, generally. We're talking about heaven and hell. We're talking about eternity here. And if we're not out there serving They assume those things of us because that's what the world portrays us. The big names, the people that pop up, whenever you hear about the church on the news, it's generally because of a bad thing, right? It's not because of their good works and years and years of service. It's usually because somebody screws up. So those are the things that they think of. And it's our job to prove them wrong on a case-by-case, one-at-a-time basis. If you stay where you are in your walk with the Lord, don't complain when things get, don't get any better. You have to get out there and work at it. Just like myself, I mean, I don't know if you all have noticed, I'm not saying this for the applause, but I've lost a couple of pounds. And I had to choose to do it with the, the, the prompting and of, my, of my lovely wife helping me to want me to live longer. And not drop over. And it helps that my son's getting married in about a month. And I didn't want to look like that in the wedding pictures. But I had to choose to do something about it. And no different in your spiritual walk. Even when it comes to Bible study. It's something I'm weak at. I'm blessed to have this job because it forces me into God's Word on a regular basis if I'm preparing for something like this. Or if I've got a great guy like Adam who, who's in our office, and he comes up to me and goes, Why don't you come on out for the Tuesday morning Bible study? And there's a part of me that's like, nah, I don't want to wake up at 5. But then I did. And I, I feel changes in my own walk. I'm doing a better job of getting into God's Word through other encouragement. And that's why when I tell you about Bible studies and plugging in, I mean it. I felt it myself. It's a big, big difference. So, but there's good news. The Holy Spirit does have a plan for you in your life. The fruit of the, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, such, against such things there is no law. All of those things are perfectly legal in God's eyes, encouraging. That's what He wants you to do because that's what the world needs. We are saved to serve. What does the world see when they look back your way? Do they see a follower of Jesus? It's a question you have to ask yourself. It's a tough question. People that you work with, people that you, that you, work, you know, and, and, or deal with on, in very uncomfortable situations, even hostile situations, Would that, when they leave that encounter, do they think, that guy must believe in Jesus? Or do they think, things I shouldn't utter from stage? Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. For if we live by the Spirit, there is that choice again. If we live by the Spirit, choose to live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. There's another choice. Don't forget, though, you're not alone. Let us not become boastful, challenging of one another, envying of one another. This isn't about outdoing each other. This isn't about a pecking order. This isn't about, look, look what I can do. It's not about that at all. It's all about us working together as a team. A team for the greater good. This is about reaching the lost so they can be saved by the grace of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. Brethren, if anyone is caught in, in any transgression, who are, uh, you who are spiritual, restore one in spirit of gentleness... There's a tough one. If somebody you know falters, if somebody you know messes up, restore them in gentleness. Not judgment, not condemnation, not yet. Each one looking to yourself to see that you too will not be tempted. You better look in the mirror before you start pointing fingers, is what Paul's saying. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of the enemy. That's what Solomon wrote. Or like Oscar Wilde said, true friends will stab you in the front, not in the back. So the reason I threw that in there today is this is tough stuff. You might feel like I'm judging you this morning by saying, you know, I'm not being very gentle. But the idea here is I'm trying to help you see what God has a plan for you. And that when you're sitting at home and you feel like you don't have a purpose, you don't feel like you're fulfilling God's will in your life. If you don't feel like his purpose is being done in you. There's something you can do about it, and that's serve. Bear one another's burdens and therefore fulfill the law of Christ. See, if we all lift each other up, the law gets fulfilled, doesn't it? Everything seems to fall into place if we're all on the same page. Let's help each other by encouraging and serving each other and our community. Instead of looking down on someone, climb into the mud with them and help them. I'm talking about all kinds of service. You have a friend that's hurting. If you have a friend that's sinning, if, you have, if you're sitting next to somebody today and, or you're listening on the radio and you know of, of a fellow believer and man, they're, just, they're not living right, don't judge them. Serve. Get down there. Talk with them. Love them with gentleness. Encourage them to do the right thing in love. They may not like it. They may not want to hear it. But you'll plant the seed. Let the Spirit do the rest. Even if they've fallen back, the Spirit still lives in there. He's still there. The Holy Spirit. If that person's saved, the Spirit doesn't d- abandon you. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. We need each other. We can't do this alone. We can't focus on how good we are, how much we have already done in the past. That's something I hear sometimes. Oh, I did that years ago. Well... We still need you to do it now. You're not dead. Time's not up. You can have an effect on somebody. The people I know best are the people I serve with. I am so fortunate here to have this position at Fellowship Church because I have been blessed to meet some of the best people on the planet. And I'm convinced of it. And the the way I know them best is because I work with them. We get to know each other. While you're doing stuff, you're talking about each other's lives. You're making friends. And you have a connection with people that you wouldn't get otherwise. And it makes you think of it as even like our Monday night guys. There's a group of guys there that work together and they serve. And we we had a gentleman get in a severe motorcycle accident a a few months ago. And I made one phone call about just doing a a little job at his home. And now they're doing other stuff and other stuff. And they'll do more stuff. And I kind of knew that when I made the phone call because that's what they do. They serve. And they serve together. And many of you out there are servants already and doing stuff. But, and you can vouch for it. And I just encourage you to encourage your friends that what I'm saying is true. If you want to make connections here at Fellowship Church or wherever you are, serve. Get plugged in. If you think you will be able to be the best example of a follower of Christ, you can be on your own, by yourself. You're lying to yourself. Because Jesus only went off by Himself once in a while. His most profound moments that we know of in in the Scriptures are when He's with people. He's interacting with people. People were all what it was about. Once in a while, He needed a break. And I'm not saying you don't need a break. Everyone needs a break. I, I have a little bumper sticker on the truck that says, Jesus loves you. And I'm working on it. People are tough. We're tough. I mean, we are. We all have our moments. And chances are, you know, you guys have probably seen me at like some of my worst moments. And it's like we can get so caught up in judging people and, and, and getting and getting so frustrated with people. But we have to be there. We have to do the right thing. But one must examine his own work and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to regard himself alone and not in regard to one another. It's okay to be happy with yourself for serve, with serving others, but let's not compare. I'm really wanting to drive that home, not to judge that you do more or less. That's not the point of this message. I just want you to plug in somewhere. For each one of you will bear his own load. It's time to worry about your own service to the Lord and not others. We don't want to be a people of, what have you done for me lately? It should be, what can I do for you now? The one who has taught the, the taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. We need you to help us spread the gospel by serving others in love. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. And the one who sows to his own flesh will also reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, from the Spirit, reap eternal life. You get what you give in life as well as your spiritual walk, as well as your eternal home in heaven. Did you know that there are like five crowns referenced in Scripture that we're going to get if you run your race right? Paul talks about that there's, a, there's one specific crown that everyone runs the race, but there's only one winner. How scary is that? The key to that, though, is not stop running. Don't be the person that says, oh, I did that years ago. I don't need to do it now. I'm just here to play golf. I'm just here to do this or just do that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with golf. But I'm saying there is time for service. There is time to plug in. And, the, and could you imagine? And the reason why I bring up the crowns thing is the analogy that popped into my head when I was working on this was, could, could you imagine showing up at a birthday party and, you know, they say, you know, no presents, but everyone else brings presents and you're not, you don't, you're the only one without a present. You're going to get into heaven. You're going to be saved if you've accepted Christ in your heart. You've asked for forgiveness. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. But if you don't have crowns to toss at his feet in eternity, it's going to be heartbreaking. And I just, I'm begging you to not go there. One of the ways to do that is to run your race right, listen to God's word, and plug in and, and serve. So let's not lose heart in doing good, for in all due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. So then, while we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of the faith. We're supposed to serve everybody in the world, but also serve people here in the church. Help each other, lift each other up. You guys are great at it, but we can always be better. It's hard to do the right thing to serve without seeing the results of the fruit of your labor. Miss Norma in the back and Alan gave me a mango about two years ago. And it was the best mango I've ever had in my life. So what I did was, I looked up online how to grow a mango tree from a seed. And I took the time to to follow the directions, and now I've got a little tree growing in our yard. And I thought to myself, not long ago, I may never get a piece of that fruit. I don't know when I'm going to be called home to the Lord. But the idea that maybe my granddaughter or my grandson... Might get a piece of that fruit, even if I'm not here? Because I held, you know they were part of me you know, growing it, and I helped them, they let the water it and do things like that. It's, we have to remember and not get discouraged and not grow wary when we do service. Because like I said, Jesus loves you, but I'm trying. We have to remember there's a long view. The seeds you plant today will grow down the road. You may never see them grow. You may never see them fruit, but they do. You'd be amazed. My wife and I, we'd, we worked with the youth ministry here for years and years at the high school where we had from like first grade through seniors in high school, all in one room, utter chaos every Sunday. And it's like every, every week we'd walk out of there like shaking a little bit and like just gr- thanking, praising God that no one died. But I tell you what, Once in a while, I'm at the store and I hear Mr. Alex from somebody I haven't seen in 10 years. And last time I saw them, they were this big. And if you're watching, I'm sorry, but I have no idea what your name is half the time because it's been so long. But they remember me. That time wasn't, wasn't ill spent. That seed didn't return void. I made a connection with them. And sometimes they'll say to me, I'm plugged in at church. I go to college now, I'm here and there, but I'm going to church. I tell you, it's so hard to to keep it up when you feel like you're not going anywhere. Just like with the weight loss thing. How many times we exercise, how are we hard we don't feel any different, we don't feel any better, we don't see quick enough results, we get discouraged, we give up. Don't give up on service. If salvation is free, then why is service so important? Listen to Jesus. I always love to bring Jesus into it. I know Paul, you know, he's, he's, he's a spokesman after Jesus res- uh, you know, ascended to heaven. But I tell you, Jesus, he, he laid it out here in the, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except for to be thrown out and walked on. You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp but put it underneath a basket. You will be but on a lampstand. Put the light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men such in a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It doesn't make sense to light a candle and hide it. It doesn't make sense to, to light, a, light a beacon on top of a, of a lighthouse so the ships don't come crashing into the rocks and then tint the windows so heavily that no one can see it. Where is your light today? Is it bright? Is it shining? Are you out there serving people in love in Jesus' name? Or have you dimmed it? Is it almost like flickering? Did you wake up this morning and wonder, "Eh, I don't know if I'm going to go to church this week. I'm just kind of out of it. Is your light almost out? Don't let it go out. Plug back in and serve. How is our Father glorified? Jesus referenced it just now. Through you. How? how? How is that possible? Let your light shine bright. Get salty. In today's, in today's lingo, salty means sassy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about get your flavor going. Get out there and get plugged in. Make people aware of you. The world is great at serving. Some of the best people I know aren't Christians. They don't believe in Jesus. But they've got this serving thing down. They are plugged in. They're revered. They're loved. We should be that. Not for ourselves, not to make a profit, not to get our company name out there, but for Jesus' sake, for the gospel. So how do we do this? You can be a Luke. Luke, the same Luke that wrote one of the gospels. We think he wrote Acts. Luke probably was Paul's most loyal companion in his missionary journeys. He's referred to in Second Timothy, Philemon, and Colossians. There's zero indication anywhere that Luke was a great evangelist or that he was, had great ideas or a powerful leader. There's no indication he was even a good doctor. He may have been terrible at it. Frankly, most doctors back then were. They called them butchers for a reason. They probably did more harm than good. Luke was none of those things. You don't need to be a great leader. You don't need to be an evangelist to fulfill a couple of spots that we could use some help in with the kids wing. With working with the Fuel and the Blast kids after just twice a month, like four hours an entire month. Working with them, plugging in with those kids, making a difference today that will last for an entire lifetime. That will affect their children and their children's children. You don't need to be a great evangelist in order to write notes to people and cards to people when you know they're hurting or they're sick. You don't need to be those things to hug somebody or shake someone's hand when they walk in and everyone's had that look. We've all had the look and we've all seen the look. They don't know where they are, where the bathroom is compared to the sanctuary. The new people that are coming into Fellowship Church. You don't need to be a gifted person for these things. You have to have a smile and a hand. Choose to glorify God because we are all called. We are all called to serve Him by serving others. That's how you glorify your Father in heaven. That's how you do um, what God wants you to do. I remember the fir- when, I, when I had first gotten saved at Pastor's former work. It's a funny story. It's one of the very few things that he doesn't remember. The man has a memory like a steel trap. But I had gotten saved and I wanted right away, I'm like, we had the restaurant and, and, and I'm like, I, want, I just randomly woke to him like, pastor, I want to be a pastor. And he looks at me and goes, no, you don't. And then like a week or two later, he, he suckered me into the bus ministry. And it was it was the hardest, craziest thing ever. And I did it for a while. And it's like you're working with all of these kids. It was like my, my first dipping my toe into the kids ministry. But I wanted to jump to the front of the line. I wanted to be a pastor because it seemed like that's what had the most effect. I'm preaching to the choir this morning. You folks have just as much influence out there in the world as I do or Pastor Gary does. You folks going out into the world and being the best Jesus you can be will have such a profound effect. And the way you do that is showing how you you are saved serve. Thank you all so much. God bless you. Let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, brother.